Hello, welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground Podcast for the week of May 8th, 2015. This is episode 256, and I am Chris Bevelo, EVP at Revive Health. With me today in all kinds of different places are <laughs> uh, Adam Meyer, also of Revive Health. <laughs> it's just you, Adam. Nobody else. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I'm sorry. It all froze on me. Right oh, boy. <laughs> well, we introduced somebody new, and look what happens right off the bat. Oh, boy. <laughs> so uh, Chris Boyer, SVP of Digital at Revive Health. And Dana Weymouth, Revive. Uh, I'm just laughing because we can all see each other. We're doing a video conference call. And we we spent time making sure we understood the order of introductions. So after Adam was supposed to be Boyer, and there was this pause, and I look at his screen, he's just got this big smile on his face. I think <laughs> it stared at it. It must have just froze that way, but it looked like you're like, ah, like who's next? Uh, well, welcome officially, Boyer. I mean, we know you've been on before, and, and we knew you were, you know, you've, you've already officially joined. But I think this is your right. first official podcast as an official. Revive Health employee officially. Officially, yeah. I am wearing the smoking jacket, though. <laughs> That's right, the smoking jacket. But you can't. That doesn't count anymore because now you're nope. you're not a guest host. You're a regular. It's been revoked. That's right. <laughs> I guess I have to get it dry clean then. <laughs> That's TMI, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna stop right there. That's right. <laughs> Way more information we needed. Okay, so we got a ton of stuff to get to. Let's just dive in. Uh, first, some updates. Speaking events, May 13th, uh, I'll be in Chicago at the NRC National uh, Consumer Collaborative, I think is what they're calling it, uh, talking about Joe Public 2 and Digital Marketing Mastery. Uh, May 21st, they're going to be in Boston at the Neshco Conference. Board, you know what? We, we muffed this last time. Do you know what Neshco stands for? I don't. I know. I don't. Neshco. I don't. North North New England Healthcare Society. I don't know. No, that's not even the right order of, of letters. But it's <laughs> tough. The tough thing is because the last letter is O, and that's where I get stuck. It. I think it's the New England Society for Healthcare, and then the O. New England organization. Yeah, but then you don't need society and organization. New England Strategy and Healthcare Communications Organization. Would somebody, for the love of all this holy, look it up, please, (laughs) so we can know these poor people. It's a great conference, and I muff their acronym all the time. Anyway, I'll be there May 21st talking about Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital. Uh, May 27th, back in Chicago uh, for a luncheon sponsored by Proficient and Oracle. Does somebody have it? I hear somebody. Yeah, I do. The the O is just part of communications. Oh, okay. Neshko, we we're gonna have to have a word. That is that is worse than missions acronym. <laughs> so that's the Minnesota State Association, which Adam and I are convinced they came up with the acronym Minnesota S- Healthcare Strategy and Communications Network. Yeah. Yes, but it but it they've they make it sound like you pronounce it as mission right and we think but that's it's just mahiskin. made up yeah it's more like mahiskin it, it's it's an acronym that was created and then they filled in the words kind of i think neshko it should just be nesk 
But Neshko sounds like a delicious treat. It does. <laughs> Neshk just sounds really very German. Neshk. No, you're right. Neshko is something you would dunk in your milk. <laughs> I bet they and... invite you back. No, I know. No, it's okay. They know. I'm sure they get teased all the time. Uh, and then August 8th, I'll be back in Austin. One of my, I went there last year and spoke at the Texas Hospital Association Conference. Uh, and they invited me back. And I just love Austin. So I can't wait to get back there. So uh, there are some other dates further down the road. Boyer, do you got any dates you want to throw out there real quick? I do. Um, June 21st and 22nd, I'll be in Rochester, Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic mm. Social Media Summit. Nice. Yeah. So um, and then I also have one in uh, in September that we'll talk about later. I'll be in Australia. Oh, wow. my goodness. Cool. Good day, mate. <laughs> I was just waiting for that, it. That's not a that's not a knife. That's this, that's this not a, a conference. Knife. That's not a conference. <laughs> this is a conference. These cliches have been brought to you by Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but the knife one is a little a little better than the uh, whatever the hell I Good said. Good day, Good matey. Day. Yeah. Throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can- At least you have to do a little thinking on the knife. Right, let's just close it out. Kangaroos, koala bears. I think that does it. Wallabies. Wallabies. Thank you. I knew there was one we're missing. Okay. One other. Oh, no. One more. Dingo. This dingo stole my baby. Dingo ate my baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, one more announcement. Uh, every year, Revive Health does this really uh, in-depth survey of the state of payers, of insurers. Uh, and so on May 19th, uh, you can join a webinar that starts at 11 a.m. Central Time, where you're going to hear about the findings, the top findings from the ninth annual National Payer Survey that Revive Health does, uh, along with Catalyst Healthcare Research. And you're going to hear from folks from Revive as well as Athena, uh, I'm sorry, Athena Health. Uh, who are going to speak. So if you are interested in the goings-on of insurance companies, in particular how that will relate to uh, managed care negotiations, uh, contracts, that type of thing, it's it's really a great resource. So we encourage you. Or if you are not involved in that, send that information along to the managed care folks because they're the ones that usually have to deal with that. Okay. So that was quite the setup. Are we ready for some actual content? <clears throat> Or did we lose everybody already? I think we're out of time. I think we're out of time. Well, <laughs> that does it for this episode. <laughs> okay. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is a blog post that dropped uh, today. So it's up on our website, and we also send it out. So we encourage you to subscribe to our um, emailings so you can get this stuff automatically. But the title of it is, is Impression-Based Advertising, The Emperor Has No Metrics. And this is something that we touched on, Adam, you may recall this, mm-hmm. last, ye- last year, yes, <clears throat> in episode 236, or better known as Magic Beans. That's the title <laughs> of that episode, uh, which you can also find on the Revive Health website if you want to hear our original take. Uh, and really what this is talking about is this movement to uh, go away from using click-throughs as the basically the trigger for payment for online advertising uh, and move to impressions. And, you know, impressions are already used uh, in in some ways, but this is really uh, a little more, I don't know what the right word is, ominous, nefarious, crappy. That's my opinion. So we're going to hear from other people, but 
this so last time we kind of took Facebook to task because they were really bending over backwards in these um, convoluted ways to try to say that, hey, you know what? It's far more important that people see your ad in their feed than if they actually click through it. And their proof of that was a study they had done showing that those advertisers that used Facebook had a 70% uh, or 70% of them had a three time or better return on investment. And what they tried to do was show that for those advertisers, uh, you know, so the example given by the author in the original article we talked about, which is in the Atlantic, uh, was was Hot Pockets. So he said, OK, let's say you advertise for Hot Pockets on Facebook. Uh, this research claims to show that there was a three times or better return on investment based on sales of Hot Pockets um, following those adver that advertising. And, you know, our the author and also us as well, we're saying, well, wait a second. The whole point of Facebook advertising is that they can target people who like Hot Pockets. So the fact that those people buy Hot Pockets is it's it's the cyclical cart before the horse thing. Uh, the, the quote from the author was maybe Facebook has mastered the art of using advertising to convert sales. Or maybe it's master the art of finding people who are going to buy certain items anyway and showing them ads after they've already made their decision. So that was kind of our take. And then it's come up again uh, in a story that was in Business Week that I saw in March. And as my as my wife likes to call it, Blomberg's Business Week. <laughs> <laughs> She's always like, you left your Blomberg on the table again. I'm like, I like Blomberg. that way better than Bloomberg. I know. Uh, that's Blomberg. Great. That's right. A shout out to Tanya. Blomberg. Um, so it talks about how there is, you know, this is not just Facebook now. There are other publishers, if you want to call Facebook a publisher, I guess you could. But it, it kind of highlights, for example, the Financial Times, which is a London-based newspaper, uh, and how it has shifted selling ads in the Financial Times from um, paying based on click-through to paying based on impressions. And the quote from a guy at Chartbeat, who I know, Adam, this will be interesting because I know you like Chartbeat and I like Chartbeat too, uh, based on the kind of analytics they can, Chartbeat actually can show you the time spent on screen. So uh, so they they value more than just, you know, somebody one visit to a <clears throat> blog post. They can actually help you determine the time spent on that blog post, which is... As well as like uh, scroll distance right. and some other metrics as well. Right. So it's really cool. Now they're applying that to to ads. And the quote here is from the guy at Chartbeat, what matters is the amount of time that an ad is in front of someone's face, not whether they click through. So I know I'm going long-winded on this. I just want to set up um, right. Well, let me, ask, let me ask Chris Boyer this first. Do you see a problem with any of this? Because that's the rest of the post, and we'll see if you agree. If there's a problem. Well, yeah. I mean, clearly I see a problem with this. <laughs> measuring by impressions. I think you even put this in the post. It's kind of like measuring the number of cars that drive by your billboard. You know, um, I, I think that what's happening is the, the beauty of digital, what I like about digital is that you're able to start to measure not only the amount of people that see your ad, but the amount of people that consume the ad, click on it, convert, and ultimately downstream, you know, are are the revenue, the revenue stream of uh, that comes from your advertisement. To take it back, to bring it back to just measuring the impressions is kind of regressing back to the olden days of measuring billboards, measuring the reach of your print ad or the viewership of a, of a, you know, a TV spot that you run. I think what's going on is you're, 
you're, you're pretty much isolating it to a measurement that is based on overall impressions and not based on um, the actual metrics that matter. That's my high level take. Well, yes. Yeah. So Adam, I'd love to hear from you on this too. Um, and Dana too. I mean, why do you guys think, I mean, I have my own obviously very pointed opinion of why this is happening. Why do you guys think this is happening? Why, why would Facebook want to say, no, 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 you know, don't, those are not the click-throughs you're looking for. You should be looking at impressions, <laughs> right? Or the Financial Times, right? Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think at a very basic level, you've got to prop your platform up beyond, you know, you've got to show value there. You've got to differentiate it. Um, I think at its core, that's probably why. I think they ultimately realize that it this it's there's not a big difference or that they that they are in fact just targeting people who are probably going to buy your product or your service anyway um my guess is it just comes down to trying to differentiate and and justify the expense and and uh, get you to get you to spend some money there yeah i think that's a, a good point adam that stood out to me right away is that you know, they're just trying to bring some kind of data to the table when they're talking to those folks, right? Like, um, you know, but I agree that it's really kind of ridiculous to say that that makes any sense, right? I think most of the time when I'm pulling up, um, I mean, I'm on Facebook probably way too much, um, <laughs> probably, ha probably have a problem. Um, but most of the time when something's coming up, yeah, it's through one of my search engines. Yeah, of course, they're smart enough to know what I normally would buy anyways. Um, but most of the time I'm irritated because I want to read the article that I pulled up, right? So most of the time I'm just trying to click off that dang advertisement and sometimes I'm angry at that particular brand. Um, so that the impression is yeah. actually negative. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I swear half the time I see an ad on Facebook, it's for something I already bought, like on Amazon or for some other service that I had already signed up for, and now it's just following me around. It's like, dude, you already sealed the deal. Yeah, but think of those impressions. <laughs> and they can they can count your sale toward those impressions. You know, it's it is like a time machine. Like they're they're going back in time and saying they're gonna give credit to those impressions for you buying that product, even though that's the whole Facebook engine. The whole Facebook engine is right. we know you, Adam Meyer, would buy this Apple product, so we're going to direct that toward you. It's it's just so odd. I mean, to me, it's it's basically because they can't <clears throat> click throughs aren't working, right? I mean, it's right. not that they're not working, and it's not that you shouldn't advertise. By the way, on Facebook or or online or search or wherever, it's just that yeah, a lot of people don't click through the ads or intentionally click through the ads. That doesn't mean they're not they don't have value, but it does mean they probably don't have the value that Facebook or Financial Times or other people would like them to have since that's how they make their money. So they're trying to, to, to have us value them in other ways. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's just ridiculous to me. Well, and moreover, um, Chris, you know, the thing is, is that they're tr Facebook is changing their algorithms to make it so that you're, as a brand, you have to advertise or, or, or else you won't get your message there. So why not tout the fact that, you know, these, these impressions, and it's not just Facebook, but every, everywhere, impressions is an easy measurement, it's an easy metric, and it's a high number. And it really adds, it, it, it sort of adds to the credibility of, you know, hey, look, we could get you good numbers with our impressions. But it takes it away from the whole point of 
why we need to improve the way we market or advertise online. Because, you know, it's ultimately boils back to what are we contributing to the overall communication strategy? What are we contributing to driving the bottom line? And, you know, impressions are, are just, they're not, that's not the right measurement. Right, right. Was that was that past episode, the Magic Beans, also the one where we talked about somebody had come out uh, maybe around that time, maybe it was earlier, with their new their new uh, a, a statistic or what they were monitoring now was hover time over ads is what they were claiming mm-hmm. really mattered. So how much time? I can't remember if it was that episode or if it was one earlier, but we had some article had come out and I was like, that was there. They were claiming that was the new metric. That's what mattered. How much time somebody actually spends hovering over your ad versus clicking on it. And you know what? You know how you you want to know how to increase your hover time? Make the damn close (laughs) X almost impossible to find. Right? Right. I mean, how many times are you like, how do I close this? Where is the X? You know, and you spend like 30 seconds. And to Dana's point, (laughs) you're not going, this looks like a great ad. This is a product I'd like. You're like, get me the F off of this. Where do I close it out? You're trying to tap on it with your finger on your iPad or your phone. Yes. Trying to get that. And it's always Daniel like X. faded, like, you know, it's like faded and it's, and, and yep. it, that's intentional. They're just making it impossible to find. Oh yeah. It's crazy. I, but let's measure that because that, to, to, again, back to Dana, that that's a great impression right there. Really. Hey, we didn't, we didn't say it has to be a good impression. It's just an impression. Well, that's what, impression. when I speak, I always say, Hey, you should never focus on impressions, you know, as your ultimate metric. Cause in, in ho- the hospital world, it's really easy to get impressions. Just do a wrong side surgery, and your impressions are going to go sky high, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. But not really right. what you want. So anyway, it we go a little deeper in the, in the blog post, so check it out. Uh, but yeah, we'll see if this actually takes hold. Uh, you know, the irony to me is that the very people that uh, were pushing engagement and pushing click-through and pushing the power of digital, like Facebook, uh, are now kind of going back, you know, on their words, saying, "Oh no, actually, it's, it's this wonderful exposure that people get." So we'll see. We'll see if it takes hold. That'll be a, a sad day, I think, for all of us. <laughs> all right, let's move on to something else. We've got a number of of things that we could talk about. Uh, does somebody have a favorite? Does somebody have one they want to say? Let's talk about this. I want to talk about the Pew Internet uh, article. You would. Um, Of course I would. I like anything that says Pew in it. Nice. Um, (laughs) No, I I think it's it's really, I think it's kind of interesting. And there was a couple of things. So Pew Internet came out with their their latest study about, you know, um, uh, usage of different mediums. And it was particularly focusing on news, the news channels that are out there. And um, they found that uh, as... Not to be, you know, no big surprise that print news media is going down, broadcast media is going down, and um, that online consumption of news is is actually on the rise. But there were some interesting findings, I think, that, that, that came out of that, some very subtle things that came out of it. The first is, is that mobile news consumption is on a dramatic rise. Um, as opposed to even online, you know, just general online, more people are consuming news through mobile devices, tablets, and phones than they are at a at a, at a more dramatic rise than um, you know through like just on a computer on a computer screen. And I found that to be kind of interesting, um, maybe because it validates the way I consume news now, which is you know on my phone, 
you know, that's the way I, I, I get most of my news information is coming through different mediums, um, but mostly on my mobile device. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is uh, in the article, and I, I, didn't, I don't have it here in front of me, but I do believe that the article sa- says that um, the time spent on the news, consuming the news, has also dropped, you know, the amount of time that people are actually consuming a news article. So they're skimming through the news quicker. Um, which kind of speaks to the fact of, of a content approach that, you know, that the, of course, the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the big news, the news channels are like, wait, what's going on? You know, they're not only are they not buying my, my uh, newspapers anymore, but they're going through my news articles at a much faster clip than, you know, what we're normally used to. Um, so I found that to be kind of interesting. Do you see the, to me, there's a natural correlation there and I don't, I didn't read through the whole darn thing. Um, but it, it would seem like it's logical that as people move to mobile devices, they're going to spend less time on the articles because they are, in fact, um, using those devices oftentimes to fill in time, you know, in their commutes or between meetings or um, so, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to classify everybody, you know, mobile as somebody who's actually mobile because it's more about the device. Uh, but I think there's just got to be a correlation there. Um, I don't know if it talks about it. I'm curious because it says um, a remarkable 39 of the 50 most popular news sites had more mobile than desktop visitors. I want to know who the 11 are that didn't. <laughs> like, didn't. is it like it could... AARP's monthly? Is it what is it? I mean, holy stereotype. I'm sorry, but who who do you think it would be? I don't think it's. I don't think it says anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't illustrate it. I wouldn't be surprised if it is things like you know Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg News or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something where it's a little bit more long form. You know, uh, the other thing too is, um, and Chris, you and I talked about this this week. Um, there is. You know, I think that people are getting more and more used to getting content in, you know, blog format, which is quicker, shorter, skimmable content, which kind of aligns too with, you know, news consumption that the, that's out there. But then there are other places where you have long form, where it actually supports long form. Medium.com happens to be a really great place. And Adam, I know you read Medium.com. Um, it's, but it's long form content. It's really long, in-depth, rich uh, rich stuff that's out there that I think is hard to read on a mobile device, you know, because you're just constantly skimming through. It it just supports more of an online experience. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just assuming now. Dana, where do you land on the long form? Do you have? I mean, I have a perfect example of of somebody that I read online that it it, it literally can take me a half hour to get through one post. That's how long it is. Are you guys? Who do you do you have anybody like that that you follow? Um, you know, I'm the exact study of this where like my attention span is about 10 seconds and then I pop over to something else. So it's like, I'm kind of embarrassed right now. Um, (laughs) but as a kid, randomly enough, I read the Los Angeles times, like the physical, you know, I got my my hands got black. Um, and I love that. So I actually kind of miss that, but yeah, I've totally moved over to the, um, the long form, but someone like Bill Simmons, I'll read. That's it. That's my guy. Just too good not to. I mean, you can't stop. Yeah, it's such good content, and and I look forward to it. Every I look forward to a half hour of re- just like I would look forward to reading a magazine or the New York Times. Um, 
and I still, by the way, get those in physical format. That makes me old. But uh, every time a magazine comes, it's like a little Christmas present in my mailbox. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But it, yeah. it proves the point that if you are still good, people haven't changed that much. Because right. I know, you know, if it's that good, people will sit and read it and figure it out. So, yeah, yeah, they. I mean, they binge watch good television programs. They have time for that, right? I think. I think mobile is more like instead of you know the, the you heard the term always on. I think um, a, a term we can we can make is you know mobile is always on in between everything else that you're doing. So you know, I mean, so I think there's there's stuff to be had for both but you know i even find myself looking on on my computer at some kind of article that i'm spending time on and then i pick up my phone to just quickly check twitter you know which is kind of weird you know it's my you don't just always on you don't just check it on your computer no i don't i was like oh wait something's on twitter or whatever you know okay or or mashable oh mashable look at that so maybe I'm weird. Well, no, I'm maybe. like that too. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's a habit or something. Yeah, yeah. Addiction. I don't know. Yeah. Addiction. All right. Addiction. So anyway. I, I'm. Oh, there's one other point from that article though that I wanted to bring up before we move on. Can I do yeah. that? The uh, the rise in podcasting, particularly post serial. Well, that was, whatever. That was it. Welcome to the party, serial. We've been around oh, yeah, for five years. You mean post <laughs> thought, bastards? That's what you mean. Post bastards, right? Post, post, the, does post still make cereal? By the way, wasn't that a brand? It was a brand like when I was yeah. a kid. Postios, <laughs> post toastios, <laughs> post alphabets. But, uh, I have, yeah. But they saw that you know, and it actually wasn't post cereal. But they saw <laughs> a steady incline in in podcast usage. Um, you know, they've been measuring over the years, of course, after cereal became mainstream, the, the podcast cereal, not the edible cereal, um, that, um, that podcast usage has just constantly been going up and up and up and up, which is, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like, you know, that this very medium that we're talking about right now is something that is continually increasing. So, ha to all those people that think podcasts are an old thing. Who says that? Who thinks that? <laughs> uh, well, you know, Some, there are people out those there. Those people. They're like, they're like, people still use podcasts? Yeah, heck yeah. All right. So, speaking of podcasts and speaking of long form and speaking of um, TV binge watching, I'm right in the middle of my latest Game of Thrones podcast. You guys are all Game of Thrones watchers. Dane, Dane do you watch, you watch it? it? I haven't. No. Oh jeez, dude! I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna take <laughs> off my hat and sorrow for you. I just start binge watching. I want it. Yeah, you do. You totally have to. So, Dana, this is completely um, not going to make any sense to you, but it will to it will to Adam and, and Chris. Chris, you have not read the books. No, I have. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we've all three read all of the books. How do you feel about this season that they've gone off? I mean, how, are you liking it? So the this show has tracked for Dana and other people who don't care about this. They're not going to listen anyway. But uh, the show has tracked the books pretty closely. It's had some things that have gone off of it over the last four seasons. This season, it's completely dramatically gone off books in big ways. Uh, people died who didn't die in the book. Uh, characters meeting that didn't meet in the book. Lots of stuff. I'm just curious how you what you guys you know quickly think of it. 
Do you like it? Do you not? Like I'd it? have to. It's been so long since I've read the books. Um, I read them. I read them years before the um, before the show started. So there's a number of these little plot twists that I honestly I don't even remember. I mean, the books are so long, and there are so many characters. It's unless you've probably read the series a couple times or have read it recently. Um, it might be hard to remember some of that stuff. So I'm actually interested to hear um, your take on the stuff that is different. Cause for me, it's actually, it's been so long that it's hard to connect some of the dots. Um, I can, I know where the story starts and ends at least ends in far, as far as how far the books are written. Um, so I, I can see where they're trying to connect the dots or shorten things up or maybe do something to make the things in the book that were long, interesting for TV, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm I I don't know I'm not it's, for me it's hard to it's it could be a little difficult at this point to connect the dots as as far as what the differences are, but I know there are some because I've read some of the reviews and I should probably tune back into the podcast that I used to follow on Game of Thrones, um, that I probably let go stale and aren't aren't updating in iTunes anymore because I wasn't listening to them in the off season, so I have to refresh those. Um, my take is first of all the last two episodes were a little bit boring. Just saying. Have you seen but, Sundays? Um, have you seen Sundays uh, yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have seen Sundays. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but it's very typical of Game of Thrones to start out a little slow before the action picks yeah. up. And you're right. Sundays did have some good stuff at the ending. No spoilers. But um, <clears throat> the thing is, though, um, I, I maybe maybe we'll start our own uprising here. But I actually happen to think that the TV series is handling the story a little bit mm-hmm. better than the books did. Yeah, I really do. Um, so maybe that's sacrilege, but you know, I think that the TV, I, I really like the direction that the series is going on. Yeah. Or on, on TV. I think a lot of people feel that way because the books are Dana. Don't read the books because they're <laughs> just, it's honestly, it is. I, I mean, Adam got me into them and for the last two books, I, you remember all those times I was like, is this ever going to end? Uh, I thought I felt oh, the same. It was like the last torture. Books. Yeah. It was like forcing myself to finish them. Um, and so I agree. I think they're, I think they're, they might be, they might be condensing too quickly. Some things are happening too quickly. Um, then they're not even making sense to me, but that's okay. It's still a great show. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, there's some, it's, it's tough. Glenay, my wife watches it with me and she, she, she enjoys it. Um, it's the one show we actually, we actually make time to watch every week. Um, now that it started again and she is always asking like what the, yeah. So what is, why this, what, what's this? And I remember enough from the books to to explain it, um, but at times I I, also, I still find myself being kind of like, well, I think this is why this happened, um, and I can't fully explain right. it properly. And you don't want to give away a teaser, or right? A spoiler right. Or I don't, whatever. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you've got your new to do, Dana. I know you don't. You know, you got lots of time in your life with your you know child <laughs> and married and work and stuff. So yeah, take all so that. He, free time. He, we won't be seeing him for the next weekend. Yeah, I'll lock myself in a cave. There you go. Once you get started, <laughs> you'll you'll be addicted. That will be definitely a binge watch for you. It's that good. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. What do you think? Sound okay? Sounds good. All right. For the health for the healthcare marketing underground, this is Chris Bevelo, Adam Meyer, Chris Boyer, Dana Weymouth. We will talk at you next time. Bye.